Welcome to the Southbridge Church Podcast, where our mission is leading people to find and follow Jesus. We're thrilled that you are here, and it's our hope that this message will lead you to find and follow Jesus. Right now, why don't we take our Bibles to Luke chapter number 12. And ushers, can you bring the podium and some props onto the stage? Let's go to Luke chapter number 12. Because I want to take a few minutes together. It's going to be a little bit more of an abbreviated service, but I want to take a minute and look at Hebrews chapter, or excuse me, Luke chapter number 12. Would you stand if you could? The scripture will be up on the screen. And let's gather and we'll stand out of respect for the Word of God. And I want to read just a few verses as we dive in to the message and our time together. I want to begin in verse number 13. I'm reading out of the New King James Version, and it says this. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Shall I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life for what you will eat, nor about the body what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which having neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more value are you? Than birds, and which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? And if then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, that neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed in one like these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have, give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroyed. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Before you take a seat, I need you to tell somebody next to you that it's great to see them this morning. Would you do that? Would you just tell them, hey man, it's great to see you. Just greet somebody, say hello, say hi to somebody. Just tell them it's great to see them this morning. Give them a greeting. Tell them it's good to see them. Good to see everybody this morning. I look at this passage and I'm kind of torn about it because in my mind, this guy looks fine to me, doesn't he? I mean, he's got barns filled with plenty. 
He's got a surplus of crops and he's got such a surplus that he's got to tear down his storage and he's got to build bigger barns. And so for me, I, I think the guy looks fine. I mean, after all, he's kind of followed the principles that we've been laying out over the last several weeks. He's made money. He has moved his money. He's managed his money. He's multiplied his money. So why, when I look at him and I say he's fine, does God call him a fool? Because today we see in our day and age, we would look at people and we'd say, they have a nice car, they're doing fine. They've got a big house, they're doing fine. They've got new clothes, they're doing fine. They've got a good job, they're doing fine. But here, I want us to see something deeper. I want to pull back because the truth of the text is that the tragedy is not what the man left behind, but what lay before him. You see, today, you and I, we're focused on the harvest where God is focused on the heart. And this morning, I want you and I to get this principle. You see, we've been talking about money, but this morning, it's so much bigger than money. You see, God is concerned about our motive, our heart. And you and I, we can go through our lives and we can neglect the heart. And you and I can forget that God is not about our money. He doesn't need our money. God's going to build the building whether you participate or not. I have full faith and confidence that God is going to finish what he has started. Because God has never left anything unfinished. However, what I have learned in my own personal life is that my heart is tied to my finances. My finances turn into a feeling for me. And there are days when I feel really good, when I can open up my account and I feel like, man, there's some extra money there. And I wonder, why is it that I feel better on days where it seems like I have money and I feel worse on days when it seems like I don't have money? You probably have the same experience that I have. Once a month, you go through all your bills. At least you should. And for whatever reason... When you open up all those bills or look at all those things and you look at your checking and you look at what's coming in, what's going out, many times that's kind of a negative emotion. You're like, man, I'm paying pg and how much? Turn off all the lights. Get some candles. Put on some sweaters and jackets, kids. <laughs> hey, don't flush the toilet. And let, no, I won't go there, you know. It's like we got to conserve, all right? Because you got, you got that, you're looking at the month and you don't have enough money to finish out the month. There's an emotional feeling to our finances. And this morning, you and I are focused so much on the harvest, what we can get. Many of you have been asking me great questions. How can I increase the harvest? But this morning, I want to deal with our heart. Because God is more concerned with our heart than the harvest. He even closes this and he says in verse 34, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you and I don't want to be the fool we want to be the person that has properly prepared our heart. But the, the trick is, we're trying to straddle both. We're trying to, we're trying to navigate how, how do we have the harvest and how do we also keep our heart at the same time? I mean, how do we continue to be able to take care of our loved ones? And how do we also be able to take care of our own heart? And we're, we struggle. And I want to put a little illustration up here this morning to kind of help, help you and I because I feel like this morning we need to understand that this season, though it's a giving season, it's more than just a giving season. 
we've got a decision between heart and harvest, between our finances and our faith, between giving and getting. And for a while, you and I, we can kind of straddle both, can't we? I can be about success and surrender. And for a while, we can kind of straddle this. But here's the thing. As you and I go higher, it gets a little bit harder to straddle this. It gets a little bit harder to keep my heart where it's supposed to be. And this is one that makes me really nervous. It's okay. If I perish, I perish. You see, my ability to go higher is limited by what I hold on to. Am I going to hold on to my harvest? Or am I going to surrender and I'm going to go all in on heart? And the struggle is happening right now in this morning. You and I have a decision. You and I want to go higher for God. God, I'll do anything. I'll follow you. And then comes the offering plate and we're like, nope. But understand, the offering is not about our offering. It's about our heart. It's not the harvest. What God is trying to get you to do is to say, no man, Matthew 6, 24, can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other. No man can serve God and serve money. And we live in a culture today that says, sure, you could do both. And I'm here to tell you that you and I have to choose. The whole story this morning is the motive of our heart. You see, this season, this Christmas season, is actually a season of separation. And that's what's so hard. You think this is about money. It's not money. It's about motive. Where is my heart? Am I fully surrendered to God? Or am I focused on my own significance and success? Oh, I got to have a harvest. I got to have big barns. I got to have new cars. I got to have new clothes. I got to have status. I have to have this one. My friend, you are trying to do both. And God is saying, you can't do both. But we live in a culture. And may I say, even in Christianity, where we have a bunch of people that are saying, sure, you could do both. I can do both for a little while, but I can't do both well and fully surrendered to God. So this is why most Christians stay at the lower levels. They never go as high as God wants them to go. And I know this is hard, and this strikes at a chord because you and I, we, we want it all, don't we? We want the success. We want the significance. We want the impact, but we also want to have a great income. And God is here to say, it's not about what you have here. He's saying to you and I, in verse 21, lay up treasures for yourself. He's saying, it's still for you, but your treasure's not here, it's there. So this season is not a season for Christmas, it's a season for separation. And you've got to decide this morning. And so there's a war going on. And this war is not, oh, we need to raise these millions of dollars. This war is, where's your heart? Because God does not need your success. He wants your surrender. And your life will be limited to the extent of your surrender to God. There's so much more that God wants to do, but here's the parable. You see, God knows you and I battle with covetousness. You know covetousness is the word greed. You know where greed has this idea of holding on to something. It has this idea that we've got to separate, but we don't want to separate from something. We think we can do both. And so there are places that people will go that say, this is fine. 
And you have friends that'll let you straddle the fence. You have friends that'll let you live this way, that'll let you continue to just have this life where you're trying to straddle both and you're wondering why you're frustrated. It's because you haven't decided that this is a season of separation where you say, I've got to pick one. Southridge Church, I think, sometimes is a difficult place for people to attend because I constantly call you to separation from the world to God. And the problem we think is that God can give me everything my heart desires. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. The only problem is not every desire of your heart is a good desire. I want to bless my children in every single way. But my children want things that aren't good for them. And God is our heavenly father is looking down at us and he's saying, you sometimes want things that aren't good for you. And God is saying, this is bigger than just you. He says in verse 31, but seek first the kingdom. You see, it's not culture, it's kingdom. And in the kingdom, we are limited by how high we will go because we are holding on to this. And God is saying, leave the harvest to me. Leave the harvest to me. There's three secrets or three ingredients to a harvest. You need the seed, soil, and you need a season. You see, you and I, when it comes to harvest time, we will say, God, where's the soil? And God's like, it's all around you. And then we'll say, okay, God, where's the seed? And God's like, you have it. Sow it, and I will grow it. But you and I, we hold back, and we're, we don't understand. It's a season of separation where I've got to say, God, wh- wh- what do you want me to give up in this season? You see, in this day and age, we're like this man. We won't separate our values from our valuables. His values were what? Eat, drink, and be merry. That's his values. That is modern day 20th century values. I just want to eat, drink, and be merry. I just want to live and let live. Seems great, doesn't it? But the very next verse, what does God call him? A fool. He says, your life is about here and there's more than just here. There's a hereafter. And what Southridge Church is calling us to is that life is more than just here. There's a hereafter. And so I understand this world is not my home. It's a hotel. I understand that this is temporary, but there's an eternal home. And so I'm not living for here. I'm living for there. And when God blesses me here, that's great. But I understand there's a greater blessing there. You see, the issue is we don't actually believe that there's a there. We just think there's only a here. You see, my theology needs to become my biography. Many of us, our theology, our belief about the future and about God is not our biography. We couldn't look at your life and say, do you really believe in hereafter? Why is it that you trust God with your eternal heart and your soul, but yet when it comes to trusting God with just a little bit here, we don't. This is not to guilt trip. This is to say, God, where's your heart this morning? Is your heart fully invested in what God wants of you to do? You see, God may put a number on your heart and understand it's not about the number, it's about the heart. God is saying, I just need your heart this morning. And our hearts are intrinsically tied to our finances. And God is saying, I need you to seek first the kingdom. But in this day and age, he thought to himself, what will I do? He said, I'll just tear down these barns and I'll just build bigger ones. You see, this guy becomes a POW, a prisoner of his words. 
He has this goal of what he's gonna do. His, his values were totally derived from what was valuable to him. You know, you and I, we've tied our self-worth to our net worth today. And we've gotta separate those. This is why sometimes when you give more, it feels like you have less. Why is that? Why is it when you and I give more, we feel like we have less? Because you think you're losing it, not loaning it. Let me say it again. You feel like you have less because you feel like when you give, you're losing something, not loaning something. Because God is looking and he's saying, no, 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 I am a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. So whenever you invest, whether it's in this house or within another ministry, or God puts it on your heart to bless a church family or to bless somebody outside of this church, you have lost nothing. You're only loaning it, and God is the one that can return it and repay with increase. But you have got to look at the word of God and say, Lord, you can return this. You can bless this. You can do this. And yet we live in a day and age where we're like, God, I'm just losing all this money. I can't believe the church. They just want me to lose, 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 lose. No, it's all about our heart. Because when my heart is fully surrendered to God, there's no telling what God can lead me to do because then he can direct my steps. Some of us, we, if we were asked to give a testimony like these that shared a testimony, we have no testimony because a testimony is born out of a test and we won't let God test us. Malachi 3.10, test me in this. Test me. It's the only place in the Bible that God says, put me to the test and see if I won't come through for you. You see, your life, you don't know how powerful your God is because you're not putting him to the test. This increases our faith. This is what we talked about last week. The widow, she poured out and because she had poured, she got more. What are you testing God in? We're all testing his patience. I can guarantee that. But besides testing God's patience, whether just saying a lightning bolt, just, oh, I know God looks at me sometimes like, oh, man, that guy, what is he doing? So what about testing God in other areas that God is saying, I want to pour out the blessing. I want to do it. But we have to step back and say, Lord, what I truly value, your values are revealed by your responses. When your spouse comes to you and says, hey, I want to spend some time with you and I want to spend a little bit of money. I want to go on a weekend getaway. And he said, I don't know if we can afford it. Your response revealed what's valuable. When God comes to you and says, there's an opportunity to go here, do this, and you say, hmm, let somebody else. Your values are revealed by that response. And today, we don't want to, we just want to kind of slip into church and be perceived as somebody that's good and be perceived as something. And we don't really want to be perceived as anybody crazy. You know, it, it's interesting. We love people that are sold out for our thing. We love people, if we're a 49ers fan, we're like, man, yeah, we're the other sold out 49ers fans. We're a Raiders fan. We're the other sold out Raiders fan. Yeah, cheering. Come on. Then we get around Christians that are committed and we're like, oh, be committed, but don't be too committed because you're gonna make my commitment not really look like commitment. So if you go all in, that may make, make me look less. So guess what? How about you just calm it down? 
In 2004, I worked for uh, VTA. It was actually MT something, I, but basically it was the transit authority for good old Palmdale, Lancaster area. And I'd work all night and I would clean the buses after they got done running all day long. And I could tell a lot about who had been on the bus based on what I found in the bus at the end of a day. It was, there's some stories, I'm telling you. So I would clean out the buses and we'd do this all night. Only problem was I had to join a union. Now, maybe you like the union. Maybe you don't like the union. I'll just say this. The union I was a part of, they got paid whether they worked hard or whether they didn't work hard. I don't know how your union was, but I like to just get the job done. And I would just be working, cleaning all these buses. And then finally they said, you're working too fast. You're making everybody else look bad. So slow down. Take a lunch break. Add an extra half hour. And it finally got to the point where I was like, well, this is how I work. I just, got, I just got to do it. And they said, okay, fine. Just clean eight buses and do whatever you want for the rest of the time. I said, are you serious? I'm stealing time now. This is ridiculous. I'm just here taking up space. My values teach me that I can't just be that type of person. I've got to work. I've got to do something. You see, here's the other thought. Our values are derived from our vision. His vision was bigger barns, more wealth, more harvest. So that influences values. What are you looking at? What are you gazing on? That's gonna influence your values this morning. What's your vision? Or is your vision of God building a place that'll be there for generation after generation? This building's beautiful, it's great. We've got it for a time, but it's not forever. But we wanna build something that'll last for generations and decades. And I know we don't have to have a building. The New Testament church didn't always have buildings. And so I get it. But we want a place of permanence where we can have impact. And so we're building that. But it's not just that. It's for missions. It's for rich kids. It's for ministry. It's for outreach. Our church this year has seen 78 people saved. That's incredible. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. That's what we're all about. Year to date, we've seen 34 people baptized at our church. Come on, let's celebrate that. As a matter of fact, if you have been baptized in our church, I'm gonna invite you to stand right now. You've been baptized at our church. Can you stand for me? If you've been baptized in our church, just stand, just stand. Just stand for a second. You were baptized here. Look around the room. Look around the room for a minute. You guys had a part in that. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. That's what we wanna see. Your impact was directly related because there was somebody in this ministry who said, God, I can't do both. So I'm gonna be surrendered to you. And when I'm surrendered to you, I'm gonna go as high as you want me to go. That's what we've got. But if I'm gonna try to do both, I will fail miserably. This is why some Christians are very miserable Christians because you're trying to love God and love the world. You can't do both. You can't do both. Choose you this day whom you will serve. That's a great word from Joshua in the Old Testament. Whether the God's on the other side of the river with your father served or whether the God that is here, but choose. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You've gotta make a decision and this is the day of decision. This is the heart issue. It's not some commitment card. It's bigger than this. Because my heart is prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's where our hearts are. 
And so I've got to do everything in my ability to say, I've got to keep my heart in check. And how I keep my heart in check is by writing a check. It's all right. Flesh, I know you don't like this, but here you go. I'm going to invest. You know, it's cheesy, but I pay at the restaurant where I eat. I don't go to Applebee's and then say after the meal, no, no, I'm gonna go pay Chili's. If you're getting blessed by this house and you're getting served by this house, why don't you invest into this house? If this is what's serving you, if this is what's feeding you, if this is what's reaching your area, why don't you serve into this house? I get it, it's a, it's, it's a challenging word because today we wanna go all out but not too all out. We wanna be called to be committed but not too committed. We wanna be called to be generous but not too generous. That's called lukewarm Christianity. I don't know how to do that and I don't know how to lead you in that. And I get it, it's hard because sometimes people just wanna find a place and there are those places that'll just kinda where you can straddle the fence and do both. But here we're called to make a decision. We're called to choose Does God have my heart or am I focused on the harvest because there's one thing that God wants and he's saying it's all about the heart. But your vision is guiding your values. So what's your vision this morning? Is it a vision of Jesus and all that he has and all that he wants for San Jose? Or is it a vision, oh man, I just just gotta save this much money. Just gotta have this. You know, the things that leave your hand, they never actually leave your life. People today will talk about, oh, I want to leave a legacy. I don't want to leave a legacy. Oscar, I want to live a legacy. I want to live it. I don't want to leave that. I can live it now. If you and I are focused on, oh, I just got to leave this legacy. I need to put my name on this building and that building. And there are people that do it many times because they need the tax write-off. That's why they're putting their name on a building. It's a status. Oh, yeah, it used to be that there was a day and age where they wanted to do something good, but now it's more often than not they care more about an image And yet you and I, we can do something to make a difference. And here's Jesus giving this powerful example. And he's talking to his disciples and saying, beware covetousness. And then he comes, brings it all back. And he says, lay up treasures for yourself. And he says something great. I'm going to finish with this in verse 21. So is he that lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Are you rich towards God this morning? You and I know how to go online and check our online bank statements. Have you thought about, am I rich in rewards in heaven? Have we stopped for a moment and said, what have I sent on ahead? What have I invested, not just in this life, but the next life? How am I building up what God wants to do? You see, you and I, we lose sight of these things. And this morning, in this season of separation, we've got to decide, okay, Lord, it's a season. Where God, I'm I'm choosing people over profit. I'm choosing relationships over riches. I'm choosing impact over income. Because God, 
the harvest, you could take care of that. But my heart, I want to make sure you have it. It's interesting, when we were young and we'd go to church, there wasn't anything we wouldn't give to God. There was nothing we'd hold back. And I think oftentimes, because we didn't really have a whole lot, but now we actually have a lot by comparison. And all of a sudden, it gets much harder to say, God, here's my heart. Because if God truly has our heart, everything else follows it. You see, the heart leads everything. And this morning, God is saying, this is not about how much money. This is about our heart. I think too often we want to change the world with spare change and spare time. And God's saying, no, no, no. It's going to require total surrender. I can't give half my heart. I can't do it. When it comes to our heart, it's all or nothing. And so this morning we have to make a decision in the season of separation. God, which one's it going to be? Which one, God? And God's looking in this place saying, do I have your heart? And here's the thing. I can't look at you and say, God doesn't have your heart. Only you know this. It's the one area we can fake. The harvest, that one, that's pretty easy to see that oh, they, they don't have a harvest. But the heart, we got this one down. We could fake that our hearts with God. We know how to say, oh, amen, yes, brother. Oh, yes, sister. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. We can, we can kind of fake that one. But God knows if we've truly given him our heart. During this Christmas season, there's lots of things that we're gonna be giving away. The best thing that you and I can give is to give Jesus our heart. That's the greatest gift. Say, Lord, this is yours. If God lays it on your heart to give an amount in the offering today, then give it. And if he doesn't, then don't. God doesn't want you to give out of compulsion, manipulation, but a cheerful giver. Somebody's happy to do it. Somebody says, no, this is something I'm excited to be a part of. I'm glad I get to give. And that'll come from our heart. Jane and I, were all, all the weekend, we've been running around making sure we had our check ready for this morning. And I was like, man, if I go buy signs, this is probably a sign, we should keep it. All the banks are closed. Oh, man. Banks are closed. I don't carry checks. It's too big of an amount to sell. I could do it in little increments. No. God put an amount. And I'm happy to give it. Because I remember where it was just a few years ago. And if God truly has my heart, then there's nothing else he doesn't have. The most valuable thing I have is actually not any home, car, it's the heart. How do I know that? Because it's the thing he died for. 
He did not die for your 401k. He did not die for your crypto. He did not die for that gold you got stashed away in the backyard. He died for your heart. The most valuable thing you have. And you have an opportunity to say, okay, God, this is the thing I'm going to bring back to you. I'm going to invite you to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you've decided to get baptized this morning, I'm going to invite you to slip out and prepare to get baptized. And if you're a guest with us and you say, I want to get baptized today, you can. We've got everything you need. If you say, I want to take that next step and go public in my faith, then you slip out in the back. We've got workers, and they'll make sure you get everything you need so you can be baptized. But right now, let me just talk to the, those that are here this morning. You heard that question. Does God have your heart? And maybe this morning you've been trying to straddle the fence on which one. And maybe God's saying, just settle the matter. And say, God, it's all yours. We used to sing an old hymn entitled, I Surrender All. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. All to you, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. You know, over the course of my life, I have to sing and rededicate my own life back to God. Say, Lord, here I am again. I haven't sold my soul to the devil, but I've certainly loaned it to him. I've certainly behaved in ways that I shouldn't have. So God, I'm coming to you now. So maybe this morning it's not so much about a financial amount as more as a spiritual amount. Does God have all your heart? Our church will never be what it should be if we're holding on to our hearts. This morning, whether you have an offering to bring to God or not, you can bring him your heart. I would dare say that's probably the greatest gift you could ever give him in this Christmas season. I want to pray for you. If you say, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior, no one's looking around, their heads are bowed, their eyes are closed, and you say this morning, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Is that you? Slip up a hand. Anybody here this morning saying, yes, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I see that hand. Amen. I see that. I see that hand in the back. Amen. God bless you. Anybody else saying, yes, God, I want you to have my heart. It's the greatest decision you and I can ever make is that Jesus would have our hearts. Let me pray, and then I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that we can be reminded of the story that it is a season of separation that I've got to choose because you care much more about the heart than any harvest because you can bring about any harvest. You own it all. It's all yours. And so this morning, I pray that you would once again have our hearts, that we wouldn't withhold anything from you, that we'd surrender it all to you. We'd give it back to you. And so, Father, may you have it. May you truly be Lord and King over our life. I don't know how we can say that you own it all if we withhold anything from you. And so, Father, I pray for those that have said, yes, Lord, you can have my heart. I pray that that would be a rededication in their life. If there's anyone here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that today they would repent of their sin, believe on your name, and receive your salvation. I pray that they would know you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen.
I'm gonna do something special. We're gonna prepare for our offering. I'm gonna invite the ushers to actually come forward as we prepare for our offering. Because this is a special Sunday. We're gonna do things differently. I'm gonna call audible. And I'm gonna actually ask the ushers, would you bring the buckets to the front? Because I believe that we need to bring our offering to God down front. And so I'm gonna invite you in a moment and I'm gonna ask the ushers to actually have the buckets. If all the ushers could have an offering basket, please. And then if you could just line up here. We were called to bring an offering to God. I think this needs to be something that we remember today when we say, Lord, I'm, I'm bringing my offering. And so I'm gonna invite you today, instead of waiting for the offering basket to be passed, you slip out of your seat and say, Lord, I'm gonna give this to you. But before you do, today we are a part of our Kingdom Builder Sunday. There's a card at the back of your seat or you received one on the way in. Or maybe you've already committed. If you've already committed, you don't have to add another one. But my wife and I, every year, we take our commitment card because we're in a building project. And this has an amount that Jane and I, we give every other week. We say, this is what we're gonna give. We have a one-time offering, and then there's something that we participate in every other week. As often as we get paid, we say, we're gonna give a part back to God. Every time when we go over our finances and I see that what we're giving back to God, I'm so grateful that I get to have a part. And so if you have not had a chance to be a part of this, you can. We also have partnered with Overflow. Overflow is an app where you can give through your stock options, you can give through your cryptocurrency or directly from your 401k and receive all the taxable benefits. It's on our website, you can learn more. But if you'd like to be participating in this Vision Gala offering, we have our goal to build our building debt-free. You can take the card, fill it out, it's perforated, and would you just drop that in because after the baptism, they're gonna give us a final count of what we've raised and what we've got committed. And so I'm gonna pray one more time for the offering, and then I'm gonna invite you to slip out of your seat and participate in bringing your offering to God. Let me pray over the offering. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now over this offering. Lord, you know our situation. You know that we wanna build this six-acre campus debt-free. We wanna build it so those that are far from you would be drawn back to you, that we can lead people to find and follow Jesus in this place. So I'm just praying, God, that you would bless this offering in a supernatural way. Lord, you've already done so much, but we are just praying that you would do so much more, abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine, that you would just bless this offering. God, I pray that for generations to come, that there would be a church that is here, that is planted and paid off, that the kingdom work can go beyond, even as we are Go home to glory, God, that there'll still be a work going in San Jose. So we pray as we participate, as we give, that you would bless it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said again, amen. Worship team, would you lead us? Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If this message inspired you and helped you, we would love for you to hit like, subscribe, or share it with someone today. Until next time, have a great day.